what genre is my book? That's the question that we're hopefully going to answer today in the podcast. So stay tuned. Welcome to the Christian Indie Writers Podcast, where we inform, encourage, and support Christian indie writers on their journey to publication. I'm Jamie Hirschberger. I write short fiction under the pen name J.R. Nichols. I'm Jennifer Carl Tong, and I write historical Christian romance. I'm Christina Katan, and I write Christian dystopian fantasy. Welcome to everybody listening live. We have a very awesome group of chatters that visit with us every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern. We also appreciate those of you who are listening to us later um, on any platform where you can find podcasts. You'll find the Christian Indie Writers Podcast. And if you are looking at us on YouTube, would you please hit the like and subscribe button? And if you like what we're doing here, tell a friend. If you hate what we're doing here, tell everyone you know. <laughs> and provide <laughs> links so they can hate us too. It's a great line. I know. Although if we did really have a whole bunch of like haters come for us, what would that meeting be like? <laughs> mm-hmm. How would imagine? we really feel about it? Like, would we really be like, well, there's no such thing as bad publicity? Like, really? How do you right. think we would handle it? I can't stand trolls, so I probably would not handle it well. Well, okay, we know how I would handle it. I Sugar would not, maker would come out. Yes, <laughs> I would not handle it well. I would be, I would be right back in their face, which is not the best thing to do with trolls. Like you just need to ignore them. But mm. yeah, so we have Shell in our chat. Good morning, Shell. It's so early for her. She's over on our west coast. We know that for sure. I hear music. I hear some theme music happening in the background or something. Um, and then Gigi, good morning, Gigi on the East Coast here with us. Good morning, Brian. Brian should be writing. No, no, no. Right now, this is okay to be here for the podcast. This is part of the process. Yes. <laughs> I shared in our Facebook group. And by the way, if you're not part of our Facebook group, um, you need to be. Uh, but this week I I came across, I was scrolling when I should have been writing, and I came across this image, and I was like, oh, okay, this is my sign that I need to be off of Facebook. And so I shared it to our Facebook group and said, uh, here's your sign to stop scrolling on Facebook and get back to writing. And it was this image of a wolf spider carrying all its baby spiders on it. (laughs) And it was like up close and it is the most, and I'm not afraid of spiders, but it was the most disgusting, gross, like thing I did not need to see. And that was like, yeah, get off of Facebook. So good morning, Teresa. So, oh, what a cute picture. Oh, let's look at it again. Aww. Aww. I love when you guys uh, put your pictures on YouTube so that we can see what you look like. It's one of my favorite. Very yeah. Funny. And um, don't forget if you're listening to us in the Democratic Republic of Congo and you can <laughs> We're send never going to let email. this die. It's serious though, because every day I get an email that says, you're doing great in the Democratic Republic of Congo. <laughs> And I'm like, I want to hear from a listener out there, like for real. So send us an email or show up in the chat one day. Um, I don't know how many in the middle of the night there or something. I have no clue. Uh, Yeah. 
Like imagine if we're keeping someone company as they're like comforting their children in the middle of the night or something. Wouldn't that be awesome? Um, anyway, we'd love to hear from our listeners. So chime in and let us know. Marina agrees that was disturbing, the spider picture. Did oh, it, yeah. <laughs> did it encourage you to go right? <laughs> That's what I'm here for, disturbing. Yeah. This, is where, this is where horrors come from. <laughs> yes. Like they go right about it. Um, Maybe a little writing fairy. If you get out of line, ping, here's a disturbing image. <laughs> you can be on Facebook, ping, this is what we got to look at. We get you writing one way or another here on the Christian Indie Writers Podcast. So, uh, what's up with everybody in the chat? We usually kick off the podcast with the what's up, everybody. What's up with you this week, Jen? Well, uh, first of all, I'd like to point out that uh, me and Susan are both doing very well. <laughs> I've not killed her yet, so which is ideal uh, relationship with a plant. She's, she's even like great. leaning toward you. She loves me. What kind of plant is that? It's called a snake plant. They're really hard to kill. <laughs> is that mother-in-law's tongue? No, I think they're just called snake plant, right? There's some plant. Yeah, is, I'm talking like there's a like, uh, what do you call know. it? Like fun name for them, nickname. Like it's not the genus and the species. <laughs> oh, I have a lot of plants around my house and they're all doing very well. When we first moved in, my plants just kept dying and I don't know what was happening. I think mm. watering them with faucet water and we have a softener and the salt was just like killing them. Is yes. It-, it is called mother-in-law's tongue, AKA snake plant. So it's just another, I guess people who, um, well, I guess you really don't like your mother-in-law. It's like a snake <laughs> plant. And, my, and I love my a- mother-in-law. She's <laughs> so for me, this, my what's up this week is just been working, getting, I've been doing some editing. I'm also getting ready for nano. So I've been doing some preptober kind of things. Um, you might've noticed if you're in our Facebook group that I kind of threw it out there. If anybody would be interested in some like little prep sessions and a few people said, yes, uh, there's still time to join. So if you're interested, um, Sunday evenings, 8 PM Eastern is when we're doing it. So go join the Facebook group, go look for my posts and I will be putting a link in right before we go live. We're just kind of, uh, it was just me and Teresa last week. Cause there wasn't a whole lot of like prep and that worked out fine. Um, but yeah, if you want some help with your plotting or just like kind of some like partnerships and talking about plotting and, and preparing for NaNoWriMo, come join us. Yeah, talking about your piece is one way to um, make sure like it's really invigorating. And um, sometimes, you know, you've got to find other writers because really who else in your life wants to hear you talk about it that much? Other writers mm-hmm. do you because they get it, you know. Right. And it wasn't until I sat down with Trace, I realized how many different types of planning I had gone through before I got to where I found something that works for me, you know? And so, wow, that's awesome. So it, it helps me with other writers too, and, and talk about their processes and stuff. Hmm. Brian says, getting my writing space cleaned out today, it becomes a catch all. Yes. Oh my gosh. Hmm. Me too, Brian. Like I said to my Husband, I gave a, or maybe it was one of my daughters, a list of things I have to get done before November hits. And one of them was, I had to clean my office. Like, clearly I can use it, but it's just the headspace that it takes up when I see all the other stuff that has ended up in here. So, and Teresa says, I recommend, aw, Jen is so incredibly helpful. Aw, thank you, Teresa. She said, so grateful for this group. I appreciate that, Teresa, because that just helps me to know that it's working, that it's helping. And that's the whole point is I want to help you guys. So, 
That's great. Yeah. All right. What yeah, about you, please. Jamie? What's up with you? Um, I am continuing with my, what the Stoics said and what the Bible says, uh, parallels. Marcus Aurelius once said, the best anger or the best answer to anger is silence. See, trolls, you should ignore them. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. I should just give my what's up right now. Um, and so I, I have actually two Bible verses that I wanted to share because the first one is the one that I thought was the best one to share. But then the other one is a verse that I paraphrase all the time. So James 1, uh, 19, wherefore my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God, which that'll preach, eh? And well, uh, Deuteronomy 32, 35, to me belongeth vengeance and recompense. Their foot shall slide in due time for the day of their calamity is at hand and the things that shall come upon them make haste. It's like vengeance, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, you know what I mean? Right, but so truly, like... You guys, we joke about me being a Julia Sugar Baker or um, Dorothy from you know our little group of <laughs> golden girls. girls. Yeah, but it's true that is me, and Jamie just loves it. She cracks up every time I turn into that. But it's not a good thing, like because honestly, like the the sharp tongue that I have is that really going to affect them as much as it would be just to be quiet and let God take care of it, right? You know. It's because- so funny though, because the harder the shell, the more ooey and gooey the center. I'm just saying, because you also have a side of you that is so like <laughs> soft, you know? So I, that's why I think it amuses me so much is because it's like, <laughs> oh, you think you're mad, you know, but I could turn you around in two seconds by just saying so whatever. That's so true. Yeah. I'm so my mom and that my mom was always like this tough talker. And then she was the first one to be like, it's okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> we used to tease her all the time. <laughs> Shell says she's been using the Instagram Inktober daily prompts as writing prompts. Lots of fun and getting back to writing every day. That's awesome. Yeah. And if you follow Shell on social, you'll be able to see she'll snap a picture of it. It's mm-hmm. really a cool thing she does. Yeah. So she hand writes some, which is interesting because it's in the spirit of Inktober because a lot of those are drawings. So I think it's right. neat that she like hand writes the stories. Tina, what's up with you? Well, I have <laughs> to say that when you were saying your verses, what came to my mind was the saying, it's better to close your mouth and be thought a fool than open it up and remove all doubt. <laughs> yes. and I've heard that attributed to Abraham Lincoln. I've also heard it attributed to the Bible. I'm not sure it's like if that's a direct quote or if it's a paraphrase of something the Bible says. But I remember finding something sometime somewhere in the Bible that fit. But anyway, um, I don't really have much of a what's up because I have been down with the flu all week. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't get the chest congestion, but I definitely have head congestion and body aches and all that stuff. So what's gotta, up? Barely Tina. Yeah. <laughs> you you need to find out the sorry, you need to find out the source and then just never visit that source again. Agreed. Where did you get it, Nicole? That's not gonna work. <laughs> <laughs> With my pregnant daughter, I think, or my granddaughter, or, or maybe a little of both of them. Sharing is caring. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, 
Well, I'm so glad that you and your daughter are close enough to share the sniffles. I think that's very sweet. And we, we're looking forward to that little peanut. I know. And we really appreciate you being here today, Tina. And we, mm-hmm. we won't make you talk a whole lot. I just have to say that the little peanut um, is she's my daughter's 34 weeks gestation. And the little peanut already weighs six pounds, four ounces. And is 17.7 inches long. It's a jumbo peanut. <laughs> um, um, thinking she's not making it to her due date. Probably <laughs> and not. Um, it's a good thing I canceled my Vegas trip. Mm. So. Yeah. yeah a waiting. few people probably getting ready to go to that, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So sure. Teresa, Th- oh, go ahead, Jen. Nope, go ahead. Teresa Thomas says, today I'm going to try and do some more Preptober and wash all the dishes. Good for you, Teresa. If you wash even half of them, that's a win. <laughs> yeah, right. Mine when you're done. Yeah, right. Boy, you know you don't want to do your writing when you'd rather wash dishes. I never want to wash dishes more than writing. I, I, I will find other ways of avoiding my writing, but it's never dishes. <laughs> I think maybe I'd rather go to the dentist and wash the dishes. Luckily, my that's girls are old enough now that that's, one of, that's their story. <laughs> Though I do a lot of dishes. Um, like they, they do a lot too. So that makes it so much well, easier. I hate to break it to you, but that doesn't last. I know they're going to move out someday. They move out and then it's just you. <laughs> I There's nobody around to make And then you're the like, dishes. who made this mess? Oh, me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's dive into our topic du jour now that we're all caught up. And that topic is what genre is my book? And I just kind of want to take a moment Picture it. Flint, Michigan. (laughs) Um, I wrote what I have since thought of in my own mind as the Callahan capers. Although when I read about capers, they're not really capers, which makes me mad because I'm not talking about the little peppercorns. I'm talking about the kind of story. So I, I was, I wrote this book and it's about like kind of a a guy who lives the life of like a noir detective in modern day times. Like he likes to write, wear trench coats and he solves mysteries and he's got like this uh, young woman who's like his sidekick or whatever. And when I was done writing it, I was like, I don't know what genre this is. Mm. And in hindsight, right now sitting in this chair, I'm like, well, it's mystery. First of all, like, you know, they're like big categories, but it really, it was not like an Agatha Christie. So to me, I was like, to call it a mystery is going to make people think it's one kind of a thing when it's really not because it's kind of like a little romping frolicky type of a tale. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, what genre is this book? And I still feel like people need more resources if they end up like me, like if there's somebody who just wrote something And now they have to talk about it and can't. And so we dove into this topic a little bit further. And that's today's episode. Right. And I would say that you're not alone. I would think the majority of of authors that start out, at least the ones that I seem to talk to or that show up in Facebook groups, the majority of people that start out writing, write because they have a story. They're not thinking about the genre. And then they write something. <laughs> Tina's got her hand raised in the air if you're listening. Um, and then they don't know what genre it is. And then you gotta then you have to like d- go backwards and and make it fit a genre, right? So we're gonna talk about that a little bit today too. So because if you write like me, historical Christian romance and someone asks you, what do you write? You say 
historical Christian romance. It's not hard, right? Well, what if I just wrote, what if I said I write romance? Well, there's a, that's a huge umbrella, right? Mm -hmm. Is it spicy? Is it like paranormal? Is it Christian? Like there's like just, so what Jamie was saying, yeah, like you can put it under a big umbrella and technically that's genre, but it's the subgenres and stuff that are going to help you. And um, we'll talk about why it's important too. Well, yeah, we're going to talk about why it's important. And um, I mean, I think like, first of all, what do they say? When you're going to talk about your book to say publishers or just anybody who could possibly help you, you need to put together kind of an elevator pitch for it. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> you need some of these uh, phrases and subgenres to help you do that, right? Mm-hmm. I run into trouble even at, like if you go back and watch the beginnings of our podcast over the last six months and count how many different genres I say that I write. <laughs> but <I've only> <laughs> But I've only written two books. So, like, my books fall into so many different categories. So, I really don't know what I write. I mean, honestly, I write Christian fiction, and there's mm-hmm. some fantasy in there, and it's kind of dystopia, and uh, it's action adventure, and there's a dog. So, <laughs> <laughs> and there's a dog. Jen, so, um, yes. it's easy for you, right? Because if you yeah. if you just go looking around, okay, I wrote a romance. What kind of a romance did I write? You. You can find lists. Yes, you can. And um, but there are so many subgenres, like I was kind of hinting at before. So under romance, I, I I truly am a romance writer, but and that's the the conventions that I write under. However, uh, there are so many subgenres, but in, in each of those subgenres, there are going to be some non-negotiables, like has to have a happily ever after. Um, but what about the rest? Like, how do you figure out where you fit in? And so whether no. Like, and you may come be coming at this as a listener and have not even a clue. Like, romance is a little bit easier. You know, if it's about a couple that are falling in love and they end up together at the end, it's a romance, right? Well, what kind of romance? So, yeah. And what if they do all of those things except end up together? Well, now you're kind of in a pickle. Then I mean, it's I, not think a that, romance. I think that yeah. I'm just going to. I have not done any research, but I have a feeling that that's a lot of people because I hear, well, there is romance in my book, you know, and people will say I wrote a romance and, and then you listen to them talk about it and you're like, no, you didn't. But then they're like, well, then what is this book? And it's kind of like beats me probably beats you too. You know what I mean? So let's jump into like, how do you find out what your genre is? If you're in this boat, like Tina was, and again, Tina's not feeling well. So I'm going to be doing a lot of the talking. She will jump in to correct me or like to add to it. But, um, so you have a book, you've written a book and you don't know what the genre is. You thought you were writing something, or maybe you didn't even think about genre at all. You just had this story and you wrote it. Now what? Well, uh, so the number one thing you need to do is you need to read the top sellers, not just anything you find somewhere or get for free, the top sellers of what you believe that your genre is. And more importantly, what you believe the subgenre is. And here's why this is important because um, there will be people like Jamie pointed out, there will be people who say, I wrote a romance and they'll throw it up and they'll put it out as romance. And they might even offer it, let's say free to sign up for their newsletter or whatever. You can't really trust that they have it right either. The top sellers will have it right because the people that read that genre will not pass on word of mouth and say, oh, this one's great. Like it won't make it to the top sellers if it doesn't match that genre. 
that makes sense? Yeah. And you'll, <clears throat> by doing that, you'll figure out pretty quick, my book is nothing like these books. You know, I mean, how many mm-hmm. do you have to read before you realize, oh, wait, because if your people don't end up together, there's probably an awful lot of like, I don't know, angst or conflict or some other right. element to the story that's also not going to match what you would find in the top 20 romance it's, books, just to stick with this particular example. That example, it's, it, you're probably women's fiction is probably where you're going to fall. Mm. And um, that has a romantic or has some romance in it, but you're not a romance. Um, okay. So my number one um, suggestion is to read a lot of the, the top sellers in what the genre you think it is. Um, so if you find that they read similar to yours, great. If you find that they don't, then you're gonna have to start snooping around. Right. And let me tell you too, this is not easy. I should have started off with this. This is not going to be easy. This is not going to be a quick fix. You, you might hate us by the end of this podcast, but in a year, let's say after you do this work, keep writing other things and keep reading things and things that you enjoy, then try to emulate or try to figure out what they did that you enjoyed. Right. This is, these are the things that Tina did. This is how Tina now is narrowing down and figuring out what she what she actually wrote is by reading and reading and reading and reading things that she thought was her genre and realizing that's not what my book is. And then shifting and finding other books that were more similar and reading them and, and figuring that out. I am you, having flashbacks to last week when I said, slow down. Yeah. Because the reason that people are typically like in a hurry to solve this problem is they're in a hurry to slap a for sale sticker on their story and get it out there to the world. Teresa Thomas shared, she heard once that if you have a list of genres, then you really don't know your book. And that bugged me because it felt like I, it felt like that meant I knew it better. That's totally how I felt about my my book, I heard that same advice. Well, if you don't know what genre it is, then it's not a well-written book is actually what I heard. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I was like, it doesn't have to fit conventions to be a story that everybody's going to enjoy um, because arguably it's not well-written. Like if Jamie today read Jamie from that long ago's work, she might say, yeah, it's not a well-written book. But the beside, aside from that, it just really did not fit all of the tropes or whatever. Like it was not an Agatha Christie. I'm, I'm just kind of trying to use that as something to mm-hmm. hang my hat on. And, and every other way I tried to compare it to things I, I knew, it was mm-hmm. not matching up. But Teresa said, yeah, people will tell you that means um, something negative about your book or your story. Mm-hmm. What like I with My book, it fit well into several different genres. And so I didn't know which one to pick. Well, there so- you go. All right, let me be specific. Was it several different genres or several different subgenres? It was several different subgenres yes. yeah. of Christian right. fiction. So that I agree with. But if you're trying to say that my book is a romance and a mystery and a science fiction, I might, I might, I don't want to agree with the person that said this to Teresa. However, that, that when you look at your book, there's one of them that comes out ahead when we're talking the over the whole big umbrella. Like Jamie figured out that the big umbrella was mystery for her. Yes. And what I was lacking because, because I was like, but it isn't a mystery because my conception of what mystery was, was very narrow. And it was way before Amazon was what it is. Mm -hmm. And this whole idea of marketing to a more niche market was real. And so I think that at the end of the day, that was ultimately my dilemma was that I did not have knowledge about the fact that there are 
people who write to these subgenres. Right. And I think we're going to get a little more into those, right? Agreed. So, because, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, so make sure you're reading some top sellers in the, the genre that you believe that you are in. Um, then start looking at subgenres and trying to figure out, well, where exactly do I fit? So for me, it was obvious romance. Tina, I think she knew, maybe not. Maybe she didn't know if she was fantasy or, or like that, but that's what she did all that work to reading it. You can also read blurbs. So that doesn't take away from reading actual books. You need to read actual books, but to get a bigger, broader picture of the genre, go and read a bunch of blurbs, uh, well-written blurbs. And then that will give you some insight into, because in my blurbs, I try to like kind of hide in their tropes as well for romance. So you'll see some commonalities, just like when we were doing book covers and doing blurbs and we had you look at a bunch of book covers and we had you look at a bunch of blurbs and look for commonalities. Same thing when you're reading these blurbs, look for story elements that are commonalities and see if any of them match up with what you've written. Mm -hmm. And then here's the kicker. When you find a book that you think is books, plural, that you think are fits, then read the reviews. Because mm -hmm. the negative reviews and what people did not like uh, and take notes on what is in common with them. Um, this is not a romance because there was not a happily ever after. Mm -hmm. This book didn't have a happily ever or um, I thought this was a clean romance, but um, there was um, they had a sex scene or I thought that this was Christian romance. There's God isn't mentioned at all. It's clean. There's nothing offensive in it, but it's not a Christian romance. I find that a lot. There are a lot of books that Christian authors write that are just sweet romance and they throw it into the Christian category. And that makes some Christian readers upset. They're looking for something bigger. They're looking for a more of a God element in it. So, um, read the, the reviews and that will give you some earmarks of what, are the are expected in that particular genre and that will help you to match up your book to genres as well. So that's the first way is to look at books in the genre that you believe. The other thing is go look for industry associations. Uh, for me, it's kind of romance is just so much easier. I don't know if romance is easier or it's just because I know it. It's you easier know. because it's so ubiquitous. Like a lot of people like romance. It's um, what did we, you use that phrase cheer chasing, Jen. Yeah. And I think a lot of people who read really are looking for an escape and uh, something really good and great to be happening. And right. it's a story of something really great and good that is happening and people love it. And it's, there's just a huge, massive market. And so resources abound because it's a very, very popular genre. Right. But mystery is also a popular genre. Yeah. Science fiction is also a popular genre. And I think that if I wrote either one of those, I would probably have gone and found the uh, industry associations for people that write science fiction yeah. or middle grade or or what have you. Like if you join the Romance Writers of America, first of all, you can go to their website and you can find information. But if you join, you get more information. They have on their website and in their groups, they have the standards. Like they, you can find resources to help you figure out what your genre is, or if there's a specific genre you want to write, these are the things you have to do within your book to fit that standard. Um, the American Christian fiction writers, if you want to write um, Christian fiction, um, you need to be aware of their website because they, 
you know, and this is why it's important. It's not because there's some sort of figurehead. There's not like this, you know, like League of Justice that sits down and makes these decisions. It's because they do the research. They listen to readers. They follow readers and they and do the research with the readers and know what the readers want and what they're expecting. And that's how they compile what is the expectation for romance and or for Christian writing or like that. So that will help you to decide either decide what your genre of your book is or to help you to write your next book that would be fitting to a genre. There's also Facebook groups. If, if you Mm -hmm. can't afford to join those, those organizations like realm makers consortium is one for Christian fantasy Mm -hmm. that has been really helpful and they have conferences and stuff. So they have a lot of information. If you join a Facebook group, we talked about this in our meeting. I don't know if it made it into the um, the outline or not. I don't see it right now. But we talked about it. If you join a Facebook group, don't just jump in there and then start asking questions. Because you're going to get a bunch of people like you that don't know what you're doing <laughs> answering that question. You know, uh-huh. go in there for a while. Uh, read people's posts. Um, search. Use Make search. use of this search thing. And, and look be- under the files. Because a lot of times okay. if they're offering advice they'll put Mm -hmm. it in the files and the people you'll you'll see you'll come to see people that know what they're talking about people that give good advice that are encouraging to other writers that have been in the game for a while you're gonna and then you're gonna start to recognize their names and then when you ask questions and you get 20 30 40 responses the four or five people that you know are like have put the time and effort in and 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 are working and know what they're talking about you're gonna look at their answers with a little bit more weight than others would you guys agree with that like, yeah. So, okay. So we've gone through this and talked about, those are the two main ways I say that that's how you figure out the three way main ways. Sorry that you figure out what your genre is, is, is going to Facebook groups, um, talking to other writers. That's another great thing too. So where do you find the writers, Facebook groups, uh, writing groups, that kind of stuff, but talking to other people that are successful in that genre, that's where you're going to find out. But why does it even matter? It why doesn't do care? unless unless you're in a market sell the book. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you're so if you're listening to this and you're getting frustrated and you're like, I I, I don't really care. That's fine. Don't care. No, if you, you just had a book care. and you just want to write it, we support that. And we're not mm-hmm. being sarcastic. We support that. You wrote a book that is a huge accomplishment. Good for you. Like we are so happy that you're here. But, yeah, or if you're like, but I still want to call it a romance, even if it isn't, maybe. Or you're like, I don't care what you say. I'm going to call this sci-fi or a mystery. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, no, there's no police that are come arrest you if you do that. Nope. But you're not going to be able to sell your book. So <laughs> the only reason that this is important important is if you want to sell your book. And if you want to sell your book, genre matters. Yeah. Because... um. First of all, Tina, share your experience at the book fair if you feel like it right now. Yeah. Um, well, at the book fair, um, it was really it wasn't it was the first time for the guy that organized it, so there weren't a lot of readers that walked in the door. Um, but so that gave me a chance to walk away from my table and walk around and and look at all what all the other authors were doing and talk to them and really learn a lot of things. The first thing that struck me was the girl, um, I was I was two tables from a corner and she was two tables from that same corner on the other end. Mm-hmm. She was wearing steampunk glasses on the top of her head. Mm-hmm. And that immediately caught my attention. And I and I knew immediately what she wrote. 
And I went over there and talked to her, and she said, usually I wear a corset and a whole costume, but I didn't know if it would be appropriate for this venue, so I just wore the steampunk glasses. And then she had another pair on the table that you could look through if you, were, if you wanted to see what it looked like. So that was really cool. A lot of the authors that are experienced authors going to book shows a lot, they didn't have their name on their big banner. They didn't have the names of their books. They had their genre in great mm-hmm. big letters. Mm-hmm. And that's what the the readers, when you're sitting at a book show with a whole lot of different authors, and because readers generally are one one or two trick ponies, and they have a genre that they like to read, and that's what they're looking for. And if you like steampunk and you walked into that book show, you were going straight for the girl with the steampunk glasses. Mm-hmm. And if you like mm-hmm. steamy romance, you were going straight for the lady with the big black banner that said steamy romance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know what, as you say this, I'm wondering if this is part of my issue is that I, I tend to care more about the writer's voice than I care about the genre. Like I'm a wide reader. Mm-hmm. And I think that that could possibly be why I have such a roadblock as far as what yeah. do I write? Do you know You're what I mean? I don't know what I read either. Yes. Yeah. And I would think, why am I in the minority? Isn't everybody like me? No. No, everybody is not like Well, you. I'm like that too. I'm in the minority, but I do have like seven different genres that I really like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, right. But yeah, that was, that was very obvious to me that the people who knew what they were doing, who'd been doing this for a long time knew that what brings people to the table was their genre and not anything else. So that's in-person events. Now yeah. the same goes for online marketing. Like yeah. the, people that, the people that know what they're doing, their book covers look a certain way because they know that they have to appear a certain way to attract the readers of that genre. They know like they're the blurb next. The next thing is the blurb. They know that it has to be a certain way to attract readers of that genre. And so if that's something that you don't care about, that's fine. But if you want to market, it starts before you even start writing your book. It is choosing a genre and sticking to the conventions of that genre before you even start like, and when you're plotting or like, not again or again not. or but not if you, if you only if you want to market is what I'm yes, saying yes if you, right because if you're coming just if you're coming into NaNoWriMo this year you got a story burning in your heart and you want to tell mm-hmm. it and then you hear us say but you need to consider tropes and you're just kind of like but I don't want to then don't but mm-hmm. if you think that this is going to be your runaway bestseller you're going to be the next person who wrote I don't know, the Twilight thing or these people who are independent, but then suddenly blow up. People need to know what to expect when they pick up your book. I mean, it's, yes. if you just kind of think it through a little bit, it just sort of makes sense. Now, there's no one saying you shouldn't write the book that is in your heart. That's not what we're saying. Right. We're just saying that when it comes time to market, you're going to have higher hurdles to, to right. get over. Because let me blow your mind. It is genre isn't the only thing that matters. Subgenre matters too. Right now, I I write historical Christian romance, and that is as niche as Amazon will take it. And I am fighting right now against Regency Christian Regency romances to to chart. There's all kinds of American historical Christian romances out there, all kinds of them. But because of a certain television series i won't mention that's on netflix it's not not clean (laughs) i'll tell you right now it's not clean um everybody wants to read regency right now i love regency 
I, I love all historical Christian romance. I am like a huge fan. I'll read and I like to write all of it, but I'm not going to write Regency because they are the most rabid fans. And if you get anything about the time period wrong, they will crucify you. But anyway, <laughs> that's a whole other side. Like, so even subgenre matters. So like there's a book out by um, Chris Fox wrote a book called Right to Market. And I'm not going to go into it, but it's a it's not an expensive book. You can get it as an ebook. It's a pretty quick read that will also help you with this type of stuff. But um. Yeah. So Jamie mentioned that writing the book in your heart, that's awesome. Tina wrote the book that was in her heart, but she wants to market it now. So what did you end up doing, Tina? You had to like reverse, like reverse engineer, engineer this, right? Yeah. Well, some, there were several people that were beta readers for me Mm -hmm. who made comments like, um, your book reminds me of Frank Peretti. Yeah. Um, so I went looking at Frank and I know that in this present darkness, um, he shows the spiritual world and the physical world. Um, he goes back and forth in between chapters. One chapter is the spiritual world and one is the physical world. And so you can see both of those things in my book, book one that I wrote. And so I saw a, very, a similarity there. Um, and then there were a couple other authors that people said, oh, you say, this book reminds me of. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of them were fantasies. Not all of them were Christian fantasies, but most of them were fantasies. And so I kind of, um, I, since Christian dystopian was not a thing that I could choose, uh, I went with Christian fantasy. So you found a situation where you found something close enough, but close it enough. is it is harder for you to market. It is like because I'm not exactly, like mm-hmm. I don't hit all of the Christian fantasy tropes. And it's not a strong fantasy. There's fantasy elements in it, but it's not a super strong fantasy. So it's not impossible to market a book that you did not write to genre. It's not impossible to take your book that you wrote when you didn't know anything about genre, but you've written it now and now you want to market it. It's not impossible. It is going to be a little bit more difficult, but you can do it. Just keep watching our show and listen to us because we'll we'll help you because we're we're doing the same thing, right? We're following Tina's process and 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 her uh, journey as a as a writer, and so hopefully you'll be. But we just wanted to really make sure you guys knew that this, like I said it earlier, I'm gonna say it again. This is not gonna be an easy process. If you didn't come into this like me, already know what your genre was, already understanding the 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 conventions of your genre and tropes and all that kind of stuff, but you've been writing. It's not going to be easy, but it is possible. You'll be able to do it. Um, but And I will say to you, the longer that you're in the genre, the easier it gets because you make connections with people. You are, end up in groups where you learn things. You learn marketing advice that ends up helping you figure out your genre. Like the more you're in this business, the easier it will become. And so hopefully that will, that it encourages you, not discourages you this episode. I hope that we didn't discourage anybody. And I should just like have this little disclaimer of saying that when I'm done with this book, it ends the trilogy that came from that one book that I had that made me want to be an author. Mm-hmm. And I am going to switch it up, switch up my subgenres mm-hmm. so that I can have a, something firmly in uh, a marketing niche where I know what the tropes need to be and I know clearly what my covers need to look like and I need, know clearly how I need to market it. And sometimes that's the best advice anyone can give a writer is move on to the next book. Because sometimes yeah. we struggle with a series and, you know, but, but you know, what? It, it's not wasted. 
no matter what, how much writing you did, you didn't waste your time. You've become a better writer through that. And sometimes it's just best to move on to the next series and just keep writing. And if anybody is like me and is going to remain genre homeless, I mm-hmm. hereby say that we start a new trend where this this genre is genre homeless fiction. <laughs> I think they call that You literary. never know what you're going to get when you pick up this person's book. It could be a mystery. It could be a sign language raccoon. It could be... <laughs> Uh, yeah, genre homeless. She's not making this up. These are really her books. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, I mean, I don't know. There's, I, I have no illusions uh, about the fact that I'm going to have a rough time with sales. Um, and, and that's the key of it is, is, is again, because buyers expect the product to be a certain thing. And, and if you can't deliver to that buyer what they want, they're going to pass. It's not a judgment. It's not, um, then you did it wrong, but you just have to understand the reality of what you're up against. If you're Mm -hmm. not going to immerse yourself into one particular genre and get good at turning out that type of a product, you're just not, you're going to have a different battle to fight is all that I'm kind of saying. It won't be as easy as making sure you're checking off the boxes. You're going to have to be really super creative and you're going to have to like be willing to maybe not hit it big until after you're dead, you know, or something like that, or writing the one that people really like, and then hearing disappointment when they pick up your other book and it isn't the same genre. I mean, you're just signing on for that kind of a journey. Which is fine. It's not hopeless because one of there's an author who um, I just read an article about. I I hesitate to say her name because what she writes doesn't fit in with what we do. Mm. But she writes in multiple genres. She says she likes it that way. She has no plans of changing that. And she's got multiple books um, in the top list on the New York Times bestseller list. Well, there you go. There you go. And if we can say anything that's encouraging, it's that there are readers out there, yep. no matter what other people try to say. This is why we, we're we hoping to lift you all up. There is plenty of readers. There are more readers than there are writers out there. And there are so many readers that will read just so much stuff that, we, that it can't get enough books in them. So if anything, we want to encourage you that there's a reader out there for your book, especially if you feel like God gave you that book. It just if he gave you that book, then it deserves the time and effort to write the book and then to put the marketing work into it because no ministry out there just happens. No pastor builds a church in his stance or said, all right, well, it's here. I did what God wanted me to do and just wait for people to show up. It's, it's work. Ministry is work. And so there's readers. You can do this. And I don't um, want this to come off wrong. This might sound really horrible, but when I was 10 years old, I ran out of books to read and that's why I read the Bible. <laughs> that's, mm, I'm not sure if that's encouraging or not. I'm just like, saying, a 10 year old girl sat down and read, read the Bible from end to end because mm-hmm. she needed. There's readers out there that will read anything and everything they can get their hands on. And God's up there right now saying, "Oh yeah, that was an accident that you ran out of books, Tina." <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it was. <laughs> All right. Well, we're up against the clock, so it's time to move on. Um, we're going to move on to my favorite part of every Friday, which is the feeding of the backs. This is when we give each other all kinds of positive, encouraging feedback about a piece of writing that we've done. Why? Because this is a writing sprint that we literally do 15 minutes before we go live. We set a timer and we write to a prompt and then we bring these stories to you to praise 
we don't do any negative criticism here because we all would like to say, if I had just another couple of weeks with this, I could polish it. So we don't, we don't give negative feedback, only positive. And if you want to participate, set a timer right to our prompt and post it in our Facebook group and then put it all over your own social media, put it on your website. You are a writer after all, show the world what you can do and uh, you can develop a good writing habit that way by at least writing with us this one time a week. You are a writer, so write. All right, so lecture over. Jen, I always like to pick on you. What was the sprint prompt today and what did you write? Well, it was second Friday, so second Friday sentence. And the sentence was, he said the telegram had arrived at noon. And it wasn't until I started writing that I realized how poorly that sentence was written. Because shouldn't it have been, yes, I know. he I had said. Like yeah. yeah, it was just so. Anyway, also, <laughs> I, I struggled with this one. And I think it's mostly because I'm so deep into plotting this book for NaNoWriMo and telegram doesn't fit anywhere in there. So Mm -hmm. I didn't, I just like, if it was the word telegram, I could have used it, but like this sentence just did not. So I think I used telegraph when I wrote my story. Oh no. And here I was all proud of myself for using it. (laughs) Oh no. Okay. Go ahead. He said, he'd said the telegram had arrived at noon. That was four hours ago. Plenty of time for Kay to have received the correspondence and responded. Yet he said nothing to Colleen. Maybe it wasn't the bad news that he'd been expecting, she mused. It was possible that it had all worked itself out on its own, wasn't it? She had spent a sleepless night pondering this mysterious telegram that Cade had been waiting for impatiently. Was it from home? She knew Cade still had family in the South, a couple of brothers, she thought. She'd overheard him make mention of them once while he was in Chappie saddled the horses before the morning ride, his brothers, that is who the telegram must, most likely is from since Kate is so anxious for it. Who else could it be? Unless she thought solemnly it was from a woman. It was from a woman. Cade was a handsome man. It would be ridiculous to think that a man as good looking and successful as Cade McNeil wouldn't have a girlfriend or a wife for that matter, waiting for him to send for them. Now that his ranch was profitable, that would that would explain why his place was so void of any comforts a woman brings to a place. His woman just hadn't made it here yet. It made sense. It also made Colleen a little sad, and she wasn't certain why. That's it. We're certain why. <laughs> <laughs> that was we there was some terrible future, writing in Colleen. there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, that well, was like we clunky. said. Like this is a sprint, and then and you're just working out the story, and it's a great storyline. It like it has the tension, it has the. Oh, angst of oh I, I don't know why I'm so upset he's <laughs> my got like another woman <laughs> we're like oh yeah sure you don't yeah and <laughs> positive feedback only here for just this reason we know right. that writing sprints are exactly that they're writing sprints it's 15 minutes the goal is to get you to be writing today and you did write today and it was like Tina said it was obviously not without merit and really good You know, um, and especially with that prompt being written as clunkily as it is. And it's neat to kind of get a peek into Colleen's thinking, because it's funny how she is just like lying to herself about this whole book. Why should I care if he has a wife? Right. (laughs) Right. You know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks. All right. So Tina, what, or I'll go, I'll go next. That way it's not too much of me right in a row. Um, Here we go. How long has he been missing? Charlotte picked at the skin flaking from her chapped lips. 
Mike licked his in quasi-subconscious sympathy and shifted in his jacket, readjusting the pen and pad he held. Merle saw him last. He'd run the message up to the house, you know, and got no answer. Charlotte wasn't looking at Mike anymore. Her gaze had gone to the distant hillside and her mind had gone God only knows where. Sympathy gone, Mike huffed. If they were going to get any answers, he needed her to stay present. He was about to open his mouth and say so when Joni sauntered over. I spoke to the telegram delivery guy. He said the telegram had arrived at noon and told me eight times he hadn't been drinking. Mike grinned and made a note. Is that a fact? It sure enough is. Also told me probably a hundred times that he has no idea where the skunk's done slunk away off to. Skunk. Joni's lips became a thin line for a moment. Yeah, Mr. Merle there also mentioned there was no way Francis would ever take off with another woman. Hmm. Mike glanced at the front porch and met three pairs of eyes blue as their mother's. How long have they been there, he wondered. First about the porch, then about the rickety old trailer Francis Murphy had dragged onto the family land, and then in general. The oldest was probably 10, and the baby on her lap might be 10 months. The toe-headed boy in dirty overalls was, what, eight maybe? Mike turned his eyes back to his notepad and wished he had another clue to write down, at the same time wishing no such thing. Wouldn't it be better for all the Murphy children if Francis never came home at all? Do you have any life insurance, Mrs. Murphy? The question brought her back all right and took care of the worrisome paleness that had settled onto her complexion. The raw lips and the dirty face were now a near-perfect match of reds. You think I got something to do with Francis going missing? You think I killed him for insurance money? She slapped a hand over her mouth. Mike saw it was trembling. Her eyes went wide. My God, she breathed, sliding that hand up to smooth her hair up away from her forehead. You think he he might be? She swallowed with obvious effort and her eyes flew to where her children sat. It seemed she couldn't bring herself to say the last word. Okay, number one, I love it. Number two, if this is the same family, I'm glad he's gone. (laughs) <laughs> sadly it is not oh. that family the mother is dead and the father oh, is in right. charge of them mm-hmm. that's right yeah oh, darn it can we kill him off <laughs> so see this is this just shows how even in these little small 15 minute sprints because normally we spent sprint for 25 minutes but for the episode we do only 15 for these little small sprints um it's like I'm already so invested on all your characters. Like you are able to write so well and characterize these these people in such a way that like, I feel like they're real and I know them and I want to save those kids from the other ones. But I also love this too. I love this narrator guy. I, I feel like this is why I was loving it and hoping it was the same one. Cause I love this guy and I feel like he's the one that's going to be able to save those kids. And yeah, so well done, Jamie, just in 15 minutes. Love it. Thanks, you know, I love how you that. use like little details to bring mm-hmm. people into the story, like her chapped lips and, mm-hmm. and you know, yeah, just the little descriptions. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. Oh, oh. Shell likes. <laughs> yeah. I that love that slow. too. Yeah. That was good. Jennifer, we missed uh shell says she agreed with Tina that you had good tension and set up in your oh, story. Thank you. And then Gigi said, Jennifer, that was awesome. Poor Colleen can't get handsome Kate off her mind. <laughs> whether, <laughs> poor, she, poor whether she wants to or not, she can't stop. Gigi That's also awesome. said to you, she said, Jamie, this is such an awesome story. I want to know more about this family. Agreed. And Shell said, great characters, Jamie. Such fine details. Agreed. Thanks, everybody. I love Friday. <laughs> All right, Tina, what did you do with this prompt? 
Okay, well, this is a probably a very poorly done fan fiction. <laughs> In my muddled brain, that can't think straight. So, are you going to tell us what is the fan fiction of, or we have to figure it out? You'll know the first sentence. You'll know. Okay, okay, okay. And I didn't say the person's name because I wasn't sure how what that would do for um, copyright issues. Gotcha. Um, but you'll know. Okay. Okay, ready? Mm-hmm. The Belgian detective strolled along the deck, smiling appreciatively at the water spread out to the horizon in a vast blue sheet. The sun shone brightly and warmed his face, which he held up to it. Eyes closed. Give it back. It's mine. It's my turn. I'm telling Mom. The smile disappeared from the Belgian's face, and his eyes popped open. He looked down to see two boys fighting over a large blue bouncing ball. In the scuffle, the ball came loose from the boy who gripped it and came straight at the Belgian. He tapped it with his cane, and it went over the railing, following toward the blue ocean below. Oh, pardon me, he said. Your ball seems to have gone overboard. <laughs> Perhaps we should call a lifeguard. The smaller boy, boy began to wail. I'm telling my mom, whined the other. Yes, yes, run along to your mother, the Belgian agreed. Then he turned and headed back to his cabin. His irritation as his travel agent rose to dizzying heights. If he were able, he would call him this very minute and tell him what an imbecile he was for booking him on a Disney cruise instead of the <laughs> relaxing one he'd envisioned, filled with fancy-dressed people of his class, adults mostly, whose children had grown and threw their fits other, other than with their parents on vacation. I meant to say elsewhere. Just as he reached the stairs down to his deck, a young man in a bright red collared shirt with a black mouse in the breast ran breathlessly up to him. Please, sir, we need you. The captain's been murdered. <clears throat> the Belgian detective followed quickly after the boy, and upon entering the captain's quarters, he saw the man lying on his bed. His feet were on the floor as if he'd fallen back from sitting, and, his hands, and in his hands was a telegram. He carefully removed the telegram from the captain's fingers and read it. Then looking up sharply at those gathered, he said, I must know when this telegram arrived. The red-shirted boy ran off, leaving the others to stand and whisper to each other about the tragedy before them. The Belgian used the time to study each of them carefully, watching for any sign of nervousness or suspicious behavior. The boy ran back in. He said that the telegram arrived at noon, and three to one had happened before I wrote that sentence. So I was- <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> So first of all, I I'd guess I because I don't read mystery. I don't know who the Belgian detective Her, is. Hercule Poirot. Oh, Agatha Christie. Agatha like Christie. The Death in the Nile and okay. Murder on the Orient Express. That detective. Okay, I loved it anyway. So well done. Like I love the little bits of humor. I love the characters. I love the kids that you had in there. Like so well done. I love that he's on a Disney cruise. That's hilarious. Yeah, and if you were familiar with Hercule Poirot, you'd know that he's like a clean freak and he's very uptight and he, his, be his um, least very OCD favorite. Yeah. and like That's he awesome. dresses like really fancy and just everything has to be just so. That's awesome. Yes, I have a love-hate thing going on with Perot because like him batting, batting that ball right over the side because he just didn't want to be bothered with their <laughs> shenanigans and their noise. Like I do not like him, but at the same time it's like mad respect for just getting what you want. You know what I mean? Like It's still pretty funny. I know, I got to say, yeah. Very good. It's and now it's like what happened to the man with the telegraph? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Tina, uh, Gigi says she loved this fun story. So well done. 
And then Teresa Thomas says, same. She didn't, she maybe didn't pick up, but she loved it anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Shell says, great, Tina. Fun homage. Yes. Yeah, yep, I love it. Great I think, homage. <laughs> yeah. I think, have you considered, because you've written mystery before, and you watch and read a lot of mystery, and you don't think you want to write mystery at all, ever? Not your thing? Here's the thing. I'm not sure I'm clever enough <laughs> to write a clever detective. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I you have to have hard. like these clever yeah. twists mm-hmm. that nobody sees coming. And I'm not sure I'm a clever enough writer to do that. That's like my number one reason for not doing it. What I think might be kind of fun is to write somebody who like accidentally stumbles upon the answer who isn't necessarily clever. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. Maybe you, you could write that. that person. You, really you could write clever. that person. Yeah. Right. I what, really, Tina? Really, but I would really, really want to be clever. Well, maybe in time. Maybe in time yeah. this person will reveal themselves to you. I think that the accidental uh, detective would be totally your, up your alley, Jamie. I guess yeah. you really doing <laughs> that and making it fun. Yeah. Yeah. Like Theo needs to maybe be an accidental detective. Oh my gosh, I would love some more Theo books. Oh, he's so funny. Only if he hooks up with Cornelius. (laughs) Well, there was a book three, which I think is lost forever. But um, there is a sort of a reunion in book three. You guys would probably appreciate. Someday I'm going back to that. Awesome. It's good to be so busy that you're like, someday I'll get back to writing instead of writing being like a job. For me, anyway. And we know we're all different. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I think that's it. And uh, we just need the what's next from everybody so we can end right on time. What's next for you, Tina? Well, I'm hoping to be back uh, to my normal self by Monday so that I can... I didn't do any writing this week. I was so out of it. I, I did a lot of sleeping. Well, you did and 15 minutes of writing just an yeah. uh, hour ago. When I when I wasn't sleeping, I was coughing or blowing my nose or watching Netflix. So like that's what I did this week. So I need to I need to uh, get my butt in gear. All right, Jen. Um, well, I'll do my what's next. Uh, what's next? I don't know. Again, I'm in sort of like uh, survival mode. I'm taking. I'm in school and I've got two jobs and I'm super duper busy. But. Um, That'll be winding down soon enough. There will be time for everything. Hopefully, you know, we, we never know. We never know the time that we really have. So we mm-hmm. need to um, use it wisely. What's next for you, Jen? Well, still plugging away with editing in book four and um, Preptober. I'm getting all prepped for NaNoWriMo. Uh, it's still not too late if you want to join our Preptober planning sessions. Um, there is a link in the show notes for our Facebook group. Just join the Facebook group and then you'll see the posts and, uh, the links will be, uh, shared every Sunday evening. So it's exclusive to members of our Facebook group. It really is. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. And I'm sharing some docs that are kind of, um, just in the works for myself. The things that, um, that they're still like prototypes of, of help. So you guys are kind of working as my, uh, guinea pigs as well. So. Yeah, and so far, so good. Remember, endorsed by Teresa Thomas. So come and join the fun. All right. So that concludes this episode of the Christian Indie Writers Podcast. Until next time, may your pen be prolific, your deadlines be met, and may all of your words honor Christ. Bye for now.